0: Oldest Chapman signing. Actually, a bigger deal, broader scope than what we might already know. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. Chapman signed for one year and $10.5 That's a $7 million raise over what Chapman made last season, which was a bounce-back season for him in every way, statistically and now ultimately financially. I don't believe that this was an overpay, but I do believe that this was a signing born possibly out of frustration. If you think about this, we haven't heard the pirates connected to too many free agents over this winter, meaning by the agents who put this word out on a regular basis because it benefits their clients. But you have heard them connected to some, and you've even heard them connected to a couple, which would have been pretty pricey had they consummated those deals. and They ended up with Marco Gonzalez, they ended up with Martin Perez, and the end, as far as starting pitchers go. So, you have this money, you've made a public commitment, all the way from ownership on down, to spend more, to try harder to win in that season, and... All you have to show for it are guys who are probably your three or four starters, maybe your four or five. So what's the next thing you do? You go and sign Chapman, who's never started in his life and isn't about to start now in his age 36 season. He's also not going to go long for you. He's been a one-inning guy all along. One inning, triple digits, bye-bye. So what would be... The overall objective of adding Chapman. You really didn't need additional back-end depth to your bullpen. You already have David Bednar, of course. You have Colin Holderman. You have Carmen Mladzinski, who really came along last season. You have Ryan Barucki. How about Dowry Moretta as a fireman type? He's the one you bring in to put out the Infernos, you know, bases loaded, nobody out in the seventh inning. So you can't call Chapman a need. You can't even really call him a want. You, you had what you needed, and you might have had what you wanted. But not only do you get him, but you get him at a rate that makes him the third highest paid single season employee of the Pittsburgh baseball club ever. Behind only Brian Reynolds right now and Francisco Liriano a handful of years ago. For real. Third highest paid player in franchise history for a single season. So there had to be something more to it. There had to be something behind it or around it. And what I'm thinking here, and Hear me out on this, because this is going to sound a little bit wacky, but it also dovetails with other stuff that the Pirates have both said and done under this management team over the past couple of years. Derek Shelton specifically is a fan of the short starts. Not necessarily the openers, but of, hey, we get that you might not last more than two turns through the other team's batting order. But two turns is fine. Go out there and get us that. Get us into the fourth inning or the fifth inning or whatever it is. I'll take the ball from you and we'll call it a good day. Think of it as the Bailey Falter starts. Remember those? Falter looked almost always pretty good a time or two through the other team's order. He's lefty. He has a fairly predictable and consistent delivery. The ball's coming from the same path. It's not like Rich Hill who can move his arm slot all over creation. And while that works for him in terms of consistency and getting the strikes that he wants, it also can work against you because the other hitters start timing you. They start seeing the ball a lot better. There's nothing that's throwing them off about your delivery, and then it's time to go. You can either go by being chased out or you can go by being pulled out per a script. And that's what they would do with falter. In turn, they would almost always have a a piggyback option behind that starter. That's a spring training term for those who are unfamiliar with it. It's kind of an inside baseball thing. It means you have a starter, but you're not necessarily expecting the best things from that starter that day or night. So you have another pitcher who is told Be ready. You could come in as early as the first or second inning, but be ready. Now, given that you aren't allowed to carry an infinite number of pitchers on your roster, you've got to be a little bit crafty here, both in terms of your roster upkeep and in terms of game usage and availability and health and a lot of other factors. But when I look at the rest of this crew that the Pirates might have, as options if they aren't able to add any other significant starters. If you're talking about a Quinn Priester, if you're talking about a Rowanzi Contreras, if you're talking about a Luis Ortiz, you know, the ones I've been talking about for months now, maybe the way to segue them back into the rotation is to put them into roles like these, where they aren't necessarily being hard slotted into an old-school five-man rotation, and you take the ball every X day. Maybe what you do is you have, I don't know, four starters, like four full-time starters, and then you just have a bullpen game. And the bullpen game can involve these other guys who are also available to you in long relief as needed. It's more complex for sure. From the standpoint of the manager, the pitching coach, and everybody involved in that process. But, you know, as they stressed again and again and again in Moneyball, and I'm talking about the book, not the movie. The movie was nice. The book was brilliant. You're not just trying to replace a player or a name. You're not just trying to do what the Yankees do you got to do things differently. It's an unfair league. It's an unfair economic system. No matter what it is that the Pirates end up spending, it's going to be way lower than everybody else because of the system. So if you try to play the same game that everybody else is playing, you are quite literally destined to lose. So try something a little bit different. Maybe, just maybe, that's what happened here or started here. When we come back, J1Q... Today's J1Q comes from Chris, who asks, DK, with Joe Mauer getting into the Hall of Fame, does this help Andrew McCutcheon's chances of getting the call in 7 to 10 years? Besides batting average, their numbers are similar. They they are, Chris. Uh, you're right, first off, about average. Maurer closing out with a, a 318 figure is a pretty striking set of digits, I'd say. And it's not going to be... Easy, I think, for, well, almost everybody to be hitting numbers like that into the future, especially since batting average has been so de-emphasized across baseball. You can now hit 210 and be considered an all-star hitter. If you're hitting for enough power and walking often enough, consider it like the Kyle Schwarber era of Major League Baseball. There are differences, though. Beyond that, between Mauer and Kutch, Mauer, for example, was a three-time batting champ. Kutch hasn't yet won a batting title and is unlikely to do so now. But the biggest one I'd say is that Maurer was seen for almost an entire decade as being the preeminent catcher in the American League. He was the guy. When you mentioned the catching position on that side of the fence, it was Maurer who came to mind, and rightly so, deservedly so. To put him into an even more modern context, if you think of what Adley Rutschman can become in Baltimore and has already started to become, that's what I mean. You become someone who's associated with a signature position. Now, Cutch, of course, played a signature position for a long time in center, won a gold glove in center. But I don't know how often I would have heard, even in Kutch's MVP season, that Kutch was the best center fielder in the game or even the best center fielder in the National League. Do you see what I'm saying? I know some of this is semantics and perception, but let's not kid ourselves that that stuff plays into this. I also feel like, boy, is this going to rub some people the wrong way, but so be it. Maurer spent his whole career with the Twins. Todd Helton spent his whole career with the Rockies. And yes, I know it's obviously not Kutch's fault that he didn't spend his whole career in Pittsburgh, even though everything about him and his performance and his conduct and his connection to this community screams that he should have been here the entire time. He wasn't. And that sort of thing, even though it's a sappy, uh, sentimental slice of someone's career, it can play into voting. I'm not going to lie to you. I at least think about it. It's somewhere in the back of my head. With Helton, I think even more so than Maurer, both of whom received my vote on the official hall ballot with helton especially he was just so ingrained with the rockies he was there for such a long time he got to the point where he was the one you associated with the whole operation he didn't answer that way when he showed up with the rockies he joined a whole bunch of dudes who could hit those blake street bombers but he kept staying even in tough times. The Rockies had some really lousy seasons. He was still the guy. A lot like, if you want another parallel here, although maybe it's about to change, Joey Votto in Cincinnati. No matter what happened with the Reds, you, you knew Joey was there. 19 was going to be standing there at first base. So even that component, the idea that Kutch is one of the, you know, 10 best players in the Pirates history, won't necessarily come with the same weight and what i'm trying to do here if you can tell is to build his case not tear it down i think the pirates thing is something that could work to his advantage you saw the way people around baseball not just in pittsburgh around the sport reacted to his return to pnc park last spring it was seen as a great baseball story. That's the sort of thing that can boost a candidacy, whether that's right or not, whether that's fair or not. But, you know, when you get down to numbers, a lot of the Hall of Fame process still comes down to the counting stats. And, you know, Kutch, his next home run is going to be his 300th. That's a wonderful milestone. But there are guys close to 500 who aren't in. You mentioned batting average. It, his numbers aren't going to floor anybody. His numbers aren't going to demand entry into Cooperstown. It would have to be something more. And that's why I'm bringing up the the whole city component to it. I appreciate the question. It's a good one. And I'm sure it's one we're going to be discussing in some form or another for years to come. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Pirates. And we're going to do another one of these tomorrow.